Hey Vista family, Mary Bauckham here, and I just wanted to share with you a opportunity we had about two weeks ago to love and serve our neighbors over uh, on West Adams. We partnered with Good Life and some really awesome host team uh, volunteers, as well as a couple of your Vista staff. And we were able to serve a meal and share a note of encouragement with the employees at Walmart um, during their shift change. And so it was just a really cool opportunity to let those employees know that we recognize that the work that they're doing is hard and it is providing a need for their community, both during this season of COVID-19 and all day every day because they are providing for the basic needs of our community and so we just wanted to make sure that they felt loved um, and encouraged during this chaotic season because they are sacrificing and serving countless hours and spending time away from their families um, we were able to provide over 200 plus meals to the Walmart employees um, and just serve and say thank you the notes that our host team um, wrote those volunteers were so kind and encouraging encouraging and made sure that the people who were receiving them felt loved and prayed for and valued and seen and known. And so that was just such a gift to get to witness how wonderful and loving and kind um, our host team is. Good morning, Vista family. Once again, thank you for joining us this morning for worship, wherever you may be watching from. We are really glad to have you. Uh, if you are new to the Vista, I'd like to just remind you, if you would do us a favor and fill out our digital uh, connect card. You can text NEW to the number you see on the screen. Uh, if you have any questions or you're looking for how to get a little more connected or more involved here at the Vista, one of our staff will reach out to you this week, help answer any questions you have. Um, as always, thanks for joining us again online. Uh, I don't have a, a lot in the way of information for you uh, today. Uh, we're going to jump into worship here in just a moment. The one thing I do want to remind you of is our pause and pray challenge. Uh, this is something we started back uh, months ago now, and uh, it's really simple. Essentially, we're asking you to take some time out of your day, three times a day, to pause and to pray. Um, in the morning, uh, we're asking you to pause and just receive the gift of a new day. Around the middle of the day, that's the time to pause and specifically pray for others. Uh, and then finally, in the evening, we want you to pause and pray and just be grateful for the day that God has given you as you reflect on all that the day has held. So that's a really simple thing that we can do uh, just to establish the rhythm of prayer in our lives. Uh, and so we're just going to remind you to, to be a part of that. And uh, again, it's really simple and hope you'll join us in the pause and pray challenge. We have an exciting uh, morning planned for you. I'm going to read a passage of scripture just to tune our hearts to Jesus. And then Jordan and the band are going to lead us into worship. So this morning I'm going to read from Isaiah 53. Um, this is a popular text about Jesus and what he's done for us. Often it gets read around Easter or Good Friday, but it really is just a great text, a really good reminder of the sacrifice of Christ. And again, hopefully it'll just uh, tune our hearts towards Jesus this morning. So Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 3, it says that he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. 
And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray and have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Let's pray together this morning as we get ready for worship. Father, today uh, we come before you and we are grateful for Jesus. Father, we're grateful for his great sacrifice at the cross for us. We're grateful today for all that was accomplished by that sacrifice on our behalf. And God, I pray today as we worship, as we sing our songs, wherever we may be watching from, that uh, God, you would just stir our hearts and our affections for you and you would help uh, God us to remember your great sacrifice. God, help us to remember that in you, we are free that in you we have forgiveness. In you, God, we have redemption. And so uh, we love you today. And again, we just say thank you for Jesus. And may you just be pleased uh, but with our worship. We pray it in Christ's name. Trials unleashed like a flame 
Spirit, come do what you do. I yield my heart again. Come and have your
Jesus, there's no greater name than yours. There's no higher name. And so we bring you all of the glory and the honor and the praise today because you're worthy. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for worshiping with us this morning. Um, before we get started into the message, go ahead and give us a like or a comment. Say hey to a couple people that you know in the stream and we'll get started. Good morning, everybody. Again, thank you so much for joining us online for worship here today at the Vista. I just wanted to briefly let you know that we will be hitting pause on our current sermon series where we are walking through the book of Job. We'll actually wrap it up next week. And now this morning, I am really, really excited because we get to hear from the newest member of our Vista staff family, Sarah Hammond. She is our associate community pastor. She is a fantastic person. I mean, she's a fellow East Texan, so she knows she comes from good stock, good soil. She's a phenomenal preacher, and I am so glad, I think a bird just ran into that window and died, that we get to hear from her today. So uh, don't mind that bird. Open up your hearts and minds, and let's receive what God wants to say through Sarah this morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sarah Hammond, and I serve here at the Vista as the Associate Community Pastor, and I am so excited to share God's Word with you this morning. Whether you are a Vista regular or you're hopping on for the first time this morning, we just want to say welcome. We are so thankful that you are spending your Sunday morning worshiping with us. I have spent the last several weeks really thinking through and praying about what I would be sharing with you this morning. And it's pretty safe to say that during this time, I really hit this proverbial quarantine wall. Up until that point, I had really been soaking in some of the tremendous gifts that just came as a natural result of being in quarantine. You know, just the slower pace and not having to get kids up and out the door for school on time, um, just being home as a family, you know, going on um, walks and doing house projects and, of course, an unusual amount of baking all the things, which is probably familiar to some of you. But then there was this shift. I think some of you felt it too because I am a part of several different text threads and right about the same time they were all expressing the same desire for jailbreak lest all hell break loose in their homes. And I was feeling it. And this one particular day just felt so hard. I was sitting at my kitchen table uh, one morning, and morning, mind you, so there wasn't a lot of opportunity in the day yet for things to go wrong. But I'm sitting there and the sun is shining so perfectly through the kitchen window that I can see every single blessed and holy breakfast crumb that my children have left on the floor for me to step on and clean up. And those same children are upstairs screaming and fighting and y'all the only thing on my schedule for the day was homeschool. <laughs> there really wasn't that much different um, that particular day from other quarantine days, but for some reason, that day, y'all, I could not deal. And so I was sitting there at my kitchen table and I was feeling this pressure just building in my head. And I thought for a minute, I'm either about to have an emotional breakdown or my head is very physically about to explode. I wasn't sure. But I said this word out loud in that moment, pressure. Ugh. It was really the first time I realized or maybe um, recognize the intense pressure that we have all been facing during this really strange season that we've been in. Maybe pressure just from how quickly everything changed in our life. 
pressure from just feeling isolated, pressure from this feeling that we're living in this real life Groundhog Day, facing the same day over and over and over again. This pressure from the strange and confusing feelings that we have towards the members of our household that we've been in quarantine with. You know, one minute it's, oh, I am so blessed and thankful that I get to spend every waking moment with you, oh precious children that I love so much. And five seconds later, if I have to spend one more minute with you people, something bad's gonna happen. These feelings, they can make us feel crazy. I really wish I could see your faces right now so that I could be assured that I'm not the only one that felt these things, but I don't think I am. And some of you um, have probably been feeling this pressure for a while, just um, pressure from the feelings of where we're headed and what's gonna happen in life. Um, what's my job gonna look like? Will I even have a job? Is my family safe? Am I safe? And some of you have been feeling this pressure long before and completely unrelated to coronavirus. Because the truth is, y'all, that life can press us. We've been um, walking through this Job series the last several weeks. I highly recommend that if you hadn't, haven't had a chance to listen to that yet, that you take some time to go back and do that. And Austin's going to be finishing out that series next week. But when we read about the life of Job, he is no doubt a man who was pressed. We can feel the pressure in his life. This has been something that I have thought a lot about lately, how these seasons of life come and we can feel pressed and stretched and how these times bring up a lot of questions for us that sometimes we don't get answers to. I've been reading through the Gospels with our women's ministry. Um, during quarantine, we've worked through a reading plan um, that has taken us through all the Gospels, and I have loved it so much. And one of the things that I have noticed consistently about Jesus is that he rarely does or says the obvious. Rarely. So many times I've found myself asking these questions, why did Jesus say that? Why did Jesus do that? Or why didn't he just say what he meant? So many times I was thinking these questions. And one particular story that I noticed this in was the story of the rich young ruler. And this is a story that I have read so many times since I was a kid, but for some reason, each time I read this story in the Gospels recently, it just stuck with me. And I found myself asking these questions and really dwelling on this conversation between the rich young ruler and Jesus. This story uh, is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And I chose to uh, read the story this morning in Mark. It's found in chapter 10, if you want to go ahead and turn there. But I chose this particular telling um, of this story because Mark, as an author, he really emphasizes the humanity of Jesus. Um, a lot of times he ascribes an emotion to Jesus when he writes about uh, something that he says or something that he does. And this is so helpful for us to read this story in its right context. And so I chose uh, to read this in Mark today. So we're going to take a look at our text. We're going to be in Mark chapter 10, reading in verse 17 through verse 22. As he, we're talking about Jesus, was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him. And he asked him, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. 
do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, I have kept all of these things from my youth up. And looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him. And he said to him, one thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But at these words, he was saddened and he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. That's Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 22. What I want you to notice specifically about this particular passage is the way that Jesus carefully and intentionally creates space for this man's heart to be made known to him. He didn't just cut to the chase and condemn the man. He could have said, hey, listen, buddy, I'm on a trip here. I don't really have time, so let's just get to it. You're a prideful man who is unable to admit he's done anything wrong, and you love your stuff way more than you'll ever be able to love me, so there's really no reason for us to have this conversation. He doesn't do that. But what he does do is curate this really intentional conversation with the man so that he can help lead him in a specific direction that will help him see what's really in his heart. So he does this in two different ways. First, he's going to mention the law. He says in verse 19, uh, you know the commandments. Now, why would Jesus mention the commandments in an answer to this man's question about eternal life? We know that um, our morals don't bring us uh, eternal life, and we know that God hasn't required good works for salvation, right? So why does he even mention the commandments? Well, he mentions the commandments for the same reason he says in verse 18, no one is good except God alone. Jesus is wanting to clue this man in on the depravity of his heart, because for, before anyone can receive a savior, we have to know that we need one. See, mention of the law should have evoked a sense of need and brokenness in this man, but it doesn't. He's applauding himself and patting himself on the back and saying, yeah, I've done a good job at keeping these commandments. And what this helps us understand is that this man, he doesn't realize that the law, the commandments, were given to set an impossible standard, one that we could never meet because of the sinful nature of our hearts. And Jesus, he knew this man's heart. That's why before the conversation really even begins, he tells the man, listen, no one is good except God alone. Jesus knew that he didn't understand that. And the man just didn't quite get the clue. So Jesus is going to keep going. And how is he going to help this man realize what's really in his heart? By pressing him in the one place that he held most dear. Verse 21. Let's read it again. And looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him, and he said to him, One thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Now, why did Jesus tell him to sell his stuff? One of those questions. Why did he do that? Is Jesus setting a requirement here for salvation? That in order for us to have eternal life, we have to actually sell all of our possessions? No. But what he has required is that we give him the very center of our life. Can you feel the pressure that he puts on this man? And his inability to do what Jesus has asked him has been proof to himself 
that he in fact hasn't kept the law like he thought. He wasn't able to, he's not loving his neighbor because he wasn't able to sell his, his possessions and give to them. And he clearly wasn't loving God with all of his heart because his possessions had already taken up that space. And so in this moment, this man's heart has been revealed to him and it was ugly and he walked away grieving. You see, there's an invitation that's occurring here in verse 21 when Jesus says, come follow me. Is he just wanting a travel buddy on his trip? No, but he is inviting him into this personal space and out of his love for this man, he has pressed him the most gentle yet difficult of ways. Trade everything that you have, leave it all behind and come follow me in this personal relationship. But this man, he couldn't accept. He walks away grieving, rejects what God is offering him because he isn't able or willing to give up the thing that he has held most dear. You see, the rich young ruler, he wanted the benefit of eternal life, but he didn't want the relationship. He wanted to separate his life into sacred and secular, but we can't compartmentalize our life this way. Our faith must impact our entire lives, our entire lives. And when Jesus says, come follow me, the invitation is into this personal space to consciously live in the presence of God, under the authority of God, to the glory of God. It's this heart attitude of mindful devotion to God that's going to lead to a life that is conscious and considering him in everything we do. Y'all, this is the fullness of the invitation. The Latin term for this is caram deo, which means before the face of God. We are invited to live caram deo. There's no higher or lower. There is no compartmentalizing into sacred or secular but this phrase captures the vital discipline of being mindful of the omnipresence of God. Omnipresence means that he is constantly encountered. And when we live Karam Deo, we are intentionally mindful that we are encountering God in every single moment. It is the practice of living our life with an upward gaze. To remember that humans were made to live and dwell in the presence of God. He's a personal God. He's not a Sunday morning religion or a quiet time section of our life, but he chooses us and he wants us to live every moment aware and conscious of his presence with us. Y'all, we see evidence of this all throughout scripture. In Genesis, we see that God made man in his own image. And then we see him walking in the garden in the cool of the day, looking for Adam and Eve. In Exodus, it is God's presence that leads his people through the wilderness. God's presence in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. His presence leads them, not Moses, who we often think, but the presence of God leads them. And then when the Israelites, uh, they come to Mount Sinai and we see the holy presence of God resting high up on this mountain until God tells Moses in Exodus 25, hey, let them construct a sanctuary for me so that I can come down and dwell among them. And Moses does this, y'all, and the presence of God comes down from the mountain and, it, and he dwells with his people because that is what he desires with us. 
And of course, the most remarkable demonstration of all, that God wants to be with us and live and dwell with us, is his choice to enter all of humanity in the form of a tiny baby, to come down from heaven on high, to dwell among us. John 1.14 says the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. We saw his glory Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. The call that Jesus offers to the rich young ruler is the same call that he offers to us. To live karam deo, to follow him in the fullness of the invitation, to dwell with him in his completely relational and personal space, to live mindfully devoted to him. There are so many believers who have accepted this call because they understood their, their, the basic invitation and they understood their basic need for Jesus because of their basically sinful hearts. But they have yet to be awakened to or perhaps have even just forgotten the stunning glory and the satisfying fullness of the King. And y'all, it is so easy to forget, right? It's so easy for us to become indifferent to God and to forget who he is and who we are in him. Y'all, this is why he asked the rich young ruler to sell his possessions. Because he knew he was entangled in them. This is why Jesus pressed this man in the most difficult way that he could. Not because he isn't loving and not because selling his possessions had anything at all to do with eternal life but he pressed this man because he wanted him to see what was really in his heart. And he didn't want him to see what was in his heart so that he would feel shame and condemnation. But he, out of love for this man, oh, he asked him to do a really difficult thing so that he could be completely free to follow Jesus in the fullness of the invitation because that is where you find life, eternal and abundant how easy it is for us to become entangled like this man and wrapped up in the things of this world, whether it's what it offers us or what we can gain, our dreams and our hopes, good things. But when we become entangled in them, we lose our identity in Christ. Even the things that sometimes life takes away from us can be wrapped around us and we not even realize it. My family and I moved to a new house in December, and I hadn't really spent much time working out in the yard until quarantine came along, and I joined the rest of America in all of the yard projects. And one day I was out in the backyard, and I was admiring this one tree in particular. Uh, I thought it was some kind of exotic vine tree because it had all of these really cool vines growing out of it. I should mention that I know absolutely nothing about trees or plants or anything in a remotely similar category. Um, but I was admiring this tree and these really cool vines. And the more I studied this tree, I began to realize that these vines were not actually growing out of this tree, but they had grown around and through and all over this tree. They had, in fact, come out from this so-called jungle that's behind my house and they had intruded into my yard and were attempting, attempting to take the life of this beautiful young tree. And so I'm here, I'm trying to pull all of these vines off this tree and it is so incredibly entangled. 
There are, there are places that the vines are so tightly wound around these branches that they have actually begun to cut into the branches of the tree. And there are other places that they're so entangled, I have to actually cut away branches of the actual tree in order to remove the vines. I spent about an hour pruning this tree. When I was done, <laughs> I stepped back and I realized that what I actually had in my yard was in fact not an exotic vine tree, but it was a crepe myrtle. <laughs> I had no idea. This tree was so entangled in these invasive vines that its true identity was completely unrecognizable, completely. And how easy it is all for us to become like this tree so wrapped up in all of these things and all of the things that life wants to give us and tempt us with and all the things that life takes away from us and we can become so entangled that we ourselves barely recognize our own identity in Christ, who he is in us and to us and for us. For me personally, this season of pressing, um, it has really served to show me what it is that I'm entangled in. And seasons of pressing have a way of doing that, revealing to us what it is that we value most, that we want most in life, or even what we're holding most tightly to that we've refused to let go of. These seasons tend to do that. And for me personally, in this particular season, um, it really highlighted to me how driven I am and how often I find my purpose and my value in what I'm able to produce. You know, I was forced to slow down a lot in this season um, and really honestly spent a lot of times uh, doing things I don't feel good at, like homeschooling my kids, uh, doing my job on social media when I really didn't have a social media presence before all of this, parenting and just waiting. I don't feel good at those things. And so I spent a lot of my time in quarantine doing those things and you know, I've really struggled to feel satisfied and worthy. And there are days that I could sit in that feeling and just be reminded that it is God's love for me that gives me my worth and my value. And I could sit in that and be so thankful. And then there were other days that I really struggled to sit in that, really. And so I piled on every house project I could get my hands on. We all respond so differently to these seasons of pressing and pressure. The rich young ruler, he um, he walked away grieving and rejected what God was doing in him and what he was offering him. Y'all, I know the temptation to do that can be so real sometimes. I have experienced the seasons of life where I have said to God, if this is what you're doing and this is what it's going to take, then I don't want any part of it. The temptation is real because sometimes the pressure feels too much. Sometimes the ask feels too hard. Maybe you've just felt grieved in your season of pressing. A natural response for me when I feel pressed is anger, Enneagram 8. And I definitely felt feelings of anger during this particular season of pressing because it, it really peeled away the delusion of control that I like to live peacefully under. I do. Maybe you've felt angry because don't have the answers to those difficult questions that have surfaced. Maybe you've felt angry because you didn't get what you asked for, what you asked God for. Maybe your response to um, seasons of pressing and pressure have been worry or fear, maybe doubt, shame, 
All of these are very natural responses for our human hearts to feel. But when we live karam deo, with our gaze fixed up and not on our situation and our circumstances, but mindful that in these very moments, we are encountering God, even in these moments. When we live this way, karam deo, we are free to respond faithfully to these seasons of pressing and pressure because we know, we know that God loves us and he sees us. And we know that the trade, whatever it is for you, would be worth it. When we live karam deo, we don't have to be afraid to see what's really in our hearts. We can actually peer into these spaces of pressing and suffering because we know that we're not being found out in shameful condemnation, but that God in his love for us wants to free us from whatever it is that entangles us. When we live karam deo, we don't have to be afraid of those questions we have bubbling just below the surface because we know that God sees us and loves us, and he is inviting us to shift our gaze upward and to make a trade. Whatever it is that we are holding so tightly to, our questions, our fears and anxieties, our need for approval or control, whatever it is, he is asking us to shift our gaze upward and make a trade, all of those things for him. May we realize the fullness of the invitation that Jesus has extended to us, you guys, to live karam deo, to come follow him in the fullness of the invitation, to live before the very face of God every moment of every day. It is in this space of conscious dwelling with him that Jesus reveals our hearts to us and he makes some sense of the suffering and the pressing that we feel. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you choose us, that you want to dwell with us, and that you have created access to yourself for us with Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you for creating that access so that we can live intimately in relationship with you, God. God, help us to see and understand the fullness of the invitation, the fullness of the relationship that you offer to us, that we can practice being mindful of you at all times. God, it's not easy. We forget and we get entangled, and it's so easy to become indifferent to you. God, would you awaken the hearts of believers this morning to be mindful, to live karam deo before your face every moment of every day. We love you and we pray all of these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. As always, we want to have uh, a time for you guys to respond to this morning's message. Uh, part of practicing living karam deo, or before the face of God, is learning to listen to the Holy Spirit and respond to Him in obedience. My three-year-old daughter is a bit of a wild child, and I find myself multiple times throughout the day saying, Eden, listen and respond. Listen and obey. It's really hard for her. It takes practice, and it takes me reminding her all throughout the day, listen and obey. And we are the same. This time of response is meant to create a space for you to practice that, listening to the Holy Spirit and responding to what he says to you. 
Maybe this morning you uh, really responded or really um, related to the rich young ruler who rejected the call of God because it just seemed too hard. Jesus says in Matthew, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. I am gentle and humble in heart. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Maybe you are feeling that pressing this morning. The invitation is for everyone. If you would like to talk with someone or have someone pray with you, uh, we have a prayer team that is ready and waiting and really hoping that you will call them this morning. And the number is listed there on the screen for you if you want to call someone and have them pray with you. Maybe you know Jesus, but you don't particularly feel enthusiastic about the kingdom of God. It is so easy for us to become so heavily invested in our earthly agenda that we forget what it's like to truly dwell in the presence of God. Two really important responses for you this morning are giving and receiving. And both of those responses help us practice shifting our eyes upward. Giving reminds us that everything we have is His anyway, and it helps us loosen our grip on our earthly possessions. And when we say receiving, uh, we mean receiving communion. The special thing about communion is not the elements, which is why we say every week, just gather whatever you have and come and be a part of this, which you can do right now. But the special thing about communion is that Jesus himself has instituted this practice as a reminder to us for what he has done for us. And we need to be reminded, don't we? We forget. So if you find yourself forgetting this morning or feeling unenthusiastic about all that God has done for you, come to the table, not with shame or with condemnation, but with joy and gratefulness, knowing that no matter what, you are loved and you are wanted and you are welcome here. When Jesus um, shared the last supper with his disciples, he broke the bread, Jesus' body broken for us, and he passed the cup to them. Jesus' blood poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. And he told them, when you do this, do it in remembrance of me.
speak and when you move when you do what only you can do it changes us it changes what we see and what we seek and when you come in the room when you do what only you can do it changes us it changes what we see and what we Hanging on every word 
Hey, Vista, thanks for tuning in for worship with us today. Uh, we're just so grateful to be uh, able to continue to gather in this online campus and worship together. It's also been just really exciting to hear so many stories of you guys finding creative ways to live out the discipleship pathway, whether you're worshiping online or finding ways to connect or to give or to serve or to go, whatever it is, you know, you're the reason that Vista continues to be alive even though we can't meet in a physical building. Now, I know based on conversations with friends and neighbors and random people at Walmart that some of you are really getting antsy about what's the plan for reopening? Like you're just dying to have the answer. And yes, we are still continuing to plan to reopen with smaller services sometime in the month of June. But ultimately, I know there's a huge spectrum of opinion in terms of what the proper course of action is when it comes to reopening. Uh, and ultimately, we're trying to take everything into account to make the wisest decision possible, both for now and for the future. But the most important thing in all of this is not the plan. It's that we remember to be patient and understanding with each other instead of letting our opinions become divisive. Because after all, the world is watching right now, and we have the opportunity to show them how Jesus' people treat each other. So don't waste this opportunity. We love you guys. We can't wait to see you next week. Don't forget to follow us on social or to download the Vista app today.